if you ache for truth, goodness, and beauty, if you're hungry for a Christianity with substance and strength, if you long for a faith that's big and bold and biblical and all about Jesus Christ, if you're inspired by the idea of one church that has spanned 20 centuries, 24 time zones, and two hemispheres, enfolding every race, nation, and language, then you're considering Catholicism. So, released in time for Easter of 2022, we have a new movie in the theaters, Father Stew, produced by and starring Mark Wahlberg, also co-starring Mel Gibson. The true story of Father Stuart Long, a Catholic priest who, well, I won't share the story with you uh, right now, but it's been marketed as an explicitly Catholic film. Wahlberg has been doing a lot of promotional conversations with Catholic media, sharing that he wanted to make something that was an explicitly Catholic film, Catholic-themed, Catholic message. And so I took my Protestant friend, Ed, who is considering Catholicism, and you may have met in some of these episodes, and we went to the theater the other night and we saw it, and we sat down afterwards to discuss it, and we thought we'd share our conversation as a bonus episode of the Considering Catholicism podcast. So without any further ado, here is our review of Father Stew. Welcome to Church Chats with Greg and Ed, where Greg and his Protestant friend Ed chat about the church. So, Ed, let's talk about this film. Yeah. Uh, and I think what I want to do is talk about it in two parts or two aspects of the film. Uh, let's spend a few minutes talking about it as a movie, you know, because uh, the first duty of any filmmaker is to entertain, mm -hmm. right? To give somebody their $10 worth, so to speak, you know? So let's just talk about this as a movie. Does it work as a movie? Is it entertaining as a movie? Is it worth $10, you know, or, you know, a couple hours of people's time? Right. Let's talk about that. And then I want to talk about the message yeah. uh, and the Catholic message behind it. Mm -hmm. So let's dive in uh, and talk about the movie. Here's the thing. If you were to apply the rules of Hollywood film critics to it or the criteria right. of Hollywood film critics, uh, the, the movie wouldn't check too many other boxes. Right. This is not the kind of movie that a Hollywood film critic would like. And you, we could get into a whole lot of reasons why and the kind of criteria they apply to it. But I, I think it's the kind of thing that a Hollywood critic would go, oh, it's just sort of a clunky you know, not necessarily yeah. Academy Award, you know, winning film. But it's the kind of movie that ordinary people really like. Right. And enjoy and are entertained by. And I think what you're seeing in the reviews, like if you go on Rotten Tomatoes, you're seeing that the critics, I don't know what the number, current numbers are today, but the critics, like 10% of the critics like it, 90% of audiences like it. Was it a good movie? And I think that it was by the standards of ordinary people who are looking for something for a couple of hours to watch and to be entertained by and engaged by, I thought it was highly engaging and highly entertaining. What did you think? I was drawn in the whole time. I wanted to know what was going to happen. I wanted to know what was going to happen next, right? All of that. Um, 
as I reflected on it later, I found myself thinking, well, yeah, but what about this or what about that? But that often happens to me with movies, you know. The, the, the longer I watched it, the better I liked it. As as a story, right? Uh, it, it was in the beginning. I felt like it, it, they were going fast for me, and and sometimes I have this trouble, this problem with biopics. Anyway, right? I feel like well, they have to tell you this part, but you know, uh, did did they? Uh, how does it connect to the next part? You know, Wahlberg is just such. I love his acting. In fact, I right. liked everybody's acting. I mean, yeah. Mel Gibson and oh the rest gosh, of them. Yeah. They were they were great. Mel Gibson um, was incredible. So if uh, I don't want to be overly critical, but it was it was I, I raced to keep up a little bit with the events as they went by. Yeah, you know, so just applying the whole Hollywood critic or Hollywood criticism or or literary criticism to it, typically you talk about a film or a novel having three acts, right? Act one is uh, introducing the characters. Right. In general terms, right? These are all the characters. These are the situations. Act two, you introduce the conflict, what it is that the characters are going to struggle with. And act three is sort of the resolution of the conflict. That's like storytelling, you right. know, 101. Right. And in act one, I would say this film, the first 30, 40 minutes of it, there's right. just a lot going on that you're like, as you're saying, you're kind of going, well, all right, I guess I'm trying to figure out where this is going. Right. And it feels kind of jumpy. You know, you have the main character, Stu Long, right? Right. And he's this, we're not going to give any spoilers here, right. I, maybe later, but uh, we'll warn you if there's spoilers coming. But, you know, Stu Long, he's this kind of uh, amateur, semi-pro boxer in Montana, and he's not very successful, and he right. doesn't have much money, and he's, you know, and then... Weirdly, he ends up in, in, in California, in Los Angeles and Hollywood, and then he ends up in a Catholic church. And you feel like, whoa, 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 you know, that's kind of zipped from thing to thing right. to thing. And I think that's what we were both feeling the first 30, 40 minutes. Like, wh where, where's this going? Right. Yeah, it was, it was um, <clears throat> I felt like there, uh, just the, him moving from being a boxer to going to Hollywood and... Uh, and then, and then, and then, uh, he, you know, he meets a girl and he goes to the Catholic church. Um, I felt like there was, that was a whole movie in itself. I could have, I could have watched that story unfold. Yeah. That would have been interesting. Right. You know, and so they, they, they packed a lot in. Right. Uh, but I was patient and I'm glad I was because as the movie went on, I, I would, you and I were talking about this beforehand. Uh, uh, I would go back and, and connect the dots again then. I would, I would think, oh, well, you know, he's this, he's this, uh, impulsive character, but the impulsive character, his impulsiveness keeps getting him into these situations. And as the longer the movie went on, the, the, the more, the more I felt like I knew him and, and I right. was drawn into it. Well, know? right. And, and in that sort of classic three act storytelling structure, the whole thing is act three, where you have the resolution Right. It's supposed to bring together, and in really good films or novels, right. what happens is in the third act, a whole bunch of things that happened in the first act sort right. of make sense now. Right. You, you sort of see how they went. And I would say that was true with this. There's a whole lot of things that happen in the last, what, 30 minutes of the movie yep. that sort of retroactively makes sense, I think, of who the characters are at the beginning of the film. Right. Whereas at first you're like, well, this just seems like is you know disconnected. I mean, you and I were talking before we turned the microphones on here about 
how it felt, especially at the beginning, like you were just jumping from event to event to event. Like here he is and he's this boxer and he's not making any money. And then he gets arrested for what disorderly, drunken disorderly in public. And then he moves to Hollywood and he gets a... He right. tries to be an out of he's kind of an out of work actor, and then before you know it, he's going to this Catholic church and he meets this girl, right? And it just feels like whoa, just a zip, zip, zip. But you know, it, it's interesting because you get in the third act, and and then in the last 20, 30 minutes of the movie, all of that sort of sort of retroactively makes sense. You feel like there's foreshadowing of things that were happening in the beginning that kind of come to fruition at the end. It strikes me that, um, and I this is probably a common thing I would think is that I've become a, a, a sort of a lazy movie watcher and a lazy novel reader. Right. Like if, if it doesn't, if, if, if they, I, I'm, I, I'm too used to being led by the hand and not having to think, you know what I mean? Right. Uh, uh, that's, there's a lot of that kind of stuff you can watch and read. Uh, so, so I did go back and you pointed out to me, uh, in the lobby afterwards that, uh, there was a scene where he goes to this, family his girls his girlfriend's family for dinner and the father says something to him that that later on uh happens happens oh, to him and yeah. and and you think oh my gosh you know that was um i needed to pay attention because you know so we'll, maybe we'll talk about that in the in the next part when we talk about the message and the catholicism in this um but a little bit of a spoiler alert so if you're l- listening to this you may want to just put your fingers in your ears for a second, but I think it's good, a good illustration. You know, he, he meets this girl, a uh, Mexican girl yep. who, um, you know, is very Catholic. And when right. he meets her father, he, the father says, you know, in my country, uh, men crawl on their hands and knees, uh, to the woman they love or whatever. Right. And then later on at a critical moment, the film, um, Mark Wahlberg's character, who becomes, you know, Father Stu, ends up literally crawling on his hands and knees uh, to uh, an icon of Mary, Statue of Mary. And so you sort of see those things uh, become connected. And and that's where I would say to anybody who's listening to this, you know, I I, I highly encourage you to see the movie. when you do kind of just, you got to stick with, I guess what I'd say is you stick with it for right. the first 30, 40 minutes. Cause it feels like it's like coming at you and you're going, where's this going? Yeah, it's worth it. But it pays off. Yes. And, and I want to say one other thing too, um, you know, about the filmmaking and the character and the actors in this or the, the, the thing. So I'm going to just be honest with you. I, I, I really believe that Mel Gibson is one of the, the, the best directors in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and he's a complicated character, right? And right. it was casting him in this film was really interesting because right. the character that he gets casted as is this guy who has this checkered past and is difficult right. and, you know, this character that sort of needs to be redeemed. Um, and I don't want right. to give too much away what, what happens, right. but it's a character that needs redemption. And it was sort of brilliant to cast Mel Gibson in that because that's Mel Gibson, like with with respect to Hollywood. Right. He's like this guy that, you know, it kind of needs to be redeemed for some of the things that happened in, in his real life. Right, right. But he's always been a genius. And you look at the films that he's uh, right. produced uh, and the films he's co-written and the films that he directed, um, you know, and we'll, sometime we're going to review Passion of the Christ, which is a, an incredibly brilliant Catholic film. 
maybe one of the most brilliant Catholic movies ever made. And so, and then you look at Mark Wahlberg, who this whole thing was super interesting to cast him in this role. So Mark Wahlberg, if you don't know who he is, he started out when he was like 17, 18 years old. This was however many years ago, because he's right. like 50 now or something. But uh, 30 years ago, he was Marky Mark, the the uh, rap rapper. Yeah. And then he was a Calvin Klein underwear model. Like back in the 90s, 80s, 90s. Yeah, that, that got past me. Somewhere. No, and it was like billboards when he was like 18 years old. Okay. And he was like this Calvin Klein underwear model and a rapper. Right. And then he went to Hollywood to become a movie star. And they made an HBO series called Entourage, which is a thinly disguised series about Mark Wahlberg when he was young and went to uh, okay. Hollywood. And he had his entourage, all of his buddies who right. moved there from back east where he grew up, you know, Boston or whatever, yeah. come out to Hollywood and it was like this kind of decadent young Hollywood star. And and then he starred in some questionable films. He made Boogie Nights yep. and he did these kinds of things. But then he's become a real serious Catholic and his whole, his whole life changed. So when you look at the arc in this movie, um, right. Stu Long, who's the boxer, and then uh, the out-of-work guy goes to Hollywood, struggles in Hollywood. This is, in a sense, Mark Wahlberg. And yeah, then he becomes yeah. a very serious Catholic. And I, I saw an interview with Wahlberg recently where he said he's basically made so much money in Hollywood now that he kind of wants to dedicate the rest of his career to doing Catholic films and things. Wow. So he himself kind of, to cast him in this role, Right. He, he cast Mel Gibson in the role that he was cast in to cast Mark Wahlberg in this role. Kind of genius casting because their own personal stories yeah. are reflected in these characters. Yeah, they they uh, it brings um, a lot of shorthand into the movie. You, you know, you know if you know anything about Mel Gibson, it's the same thing, right? So um, I felt like there was, and the longer I sort of ruminate on this, the more I think it. There was. A, a lot of meat on the bones in this movie. There was a lot going on, a lot of serious, good stuff, and it needed some reflecting on. Uh, yeah, and, and, right. And and the thing, uh, kind of, I would, I would say too about that is when you have somebody who is really a genius level filmmaker like Mel Gibson, and then you have Mark Wahlberg, who's becoming, I think, a very serious mm -hmm. filmmaker, and the both of them very serious Catholics. And Mark Wahlberg put his personal money up to make this movie. Oh, I didn't know that. He partially funded it. He's executive producer of it, and he partially funded it with his own money. Mm. And w with, with people like Gibson and uh, Wahlberg producing this film, when you say there's a lot of meat on the bone and a lot of, I think, Catholic meat on the bone. Right. Uh, part of it is is that they're really invested in this project and there was a lot more in that script and a lot more in the shooting. When you first see it, you're like, oh, what is this? This is just like a zippy around kind of movie, but there's right. a lot going on there and I think they were very invested and there was nothing in that movie. I don't think there was a single scene or a single line in that movie that wasn't deliberate and intentional. Right, and, and as the movie went on, uh, I think I said this earlier, as the movie went on, I was more and more drawn into it. I, I, I felt like, um, and I, maybe this is part of our second discussion about this uh, second topic here, but I didn't feel preached at. 
And I actually, right. I was skimming through Rotten Tomatoes reviews this morning, and, I, right. and one of them talked about it being preachy, and I thought, well, that's just you not liking it. That's not, right. that's not it. It was The movie wasn't preachy because Mark Wahlberg's character, the um, he wouldn't have changed, and the things that happened to him wouldn't have happened had he not been involved with Catholicism, the right. character's involvement. So, so... That's part of the movie. That's not something they tacked on to, to say, well, you know, he changed or these things happened because, you know, he, you know, this is him engaging with Catholicism and then you seeing the direct results. Of it. Oh, so let's transition. So, OK, before we transition to the message and the Catholic message of it, uh, give give me your uh, Ed movie review as a movie. Uh, is it worth somebody's ten dollars and two hours of their time? Yes, because it's not a throwaway thing. There are some flaws in, in the way that I think they told the story and all that we talked about, but yeah, I'd recommend it. I, you know, it's, it's worth it just to be presented with the ideas and, and the, the, the stuff that they, you know, the, 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 the words, uh, in Mark Wahlberg's mouth, all the things that, that the father Stu says toward the end of the movie, that's, that's really good stuff. That's worth, you know, it's, it's, yeah, it's very engaging. Yeah, I, I would say it was a good movie. Uh, and, and that's a lot to say it's a good movie. Is it is it the kind of movie that you, you know, are going to win Best Picture? The Academy? Right. Well, obviously not because those today are all anti-Christian right. lefty films. But um, is it, you know, something that, you know, 40 years from now, people are going to remember as one of the great movies of all time? No. Is it the kind of thing that I would buy on Blu-ray and put in my, you know, right on my bookshelf so that I can pull it out, you know, once a year and watch it. No, but not all movies have to be that. Um, it's the kind of movie that Hollywood, I think, used to make in the good old days. It was a good movie. It was a great, uh, it was a, an entertaining, well-acted movie that, right. that I think uh, engaged you and kept you, especially on the edge of your seat towards the end all the way to the end and at the end it went wow that was worth my ten dollars and two hours of my time these these were these were deep topics deep subjects yeah. and they didn't shy away from it right um they didn't give you a sort of a modern psycho babble you know uh lecture about things it was right. it was this is you know this is real important stuff i found myself in the last maybe 40 minutes saying oh my gosh that could have been you know, I've struggled with a lot of those things, yeah. a lot of those thoughts and, you know, approaches to life and everything. I, that was challenging. Yeah, I know. Absolutely. I, I, I highly recommend the movie yep. to people. I, if you're looking for a, a film right now, especially right now, because the entertainment industry is a total wasteland. And I think that if you're right. a person of faith, um, especially a person of the Catholic faith or somebody who's curious about Catholicism or considering Catholicism, I absolutely think this movie is is well, well worth your time and money and uh, you won't be disappointed that you, you spent the time and money for it. But that brings us now to what I, the second half of the conversation, which is let's talk about the message and the Catholicism in it. So setting aside there was a good and engaging movie uh, and worth your time and money, let's talk about how you saw it as a Protestant, as someone who is curious about or considering Catholicism, how did the message or the Catholicism movie strike you? What are, I'm curious what your impressions were. Um, I, I wondered, 
you know, so so as a Protestant, I go to the movies and I see how they how they um, how they treat Protestantism, um, and it, it's just it's they 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 make it they make it look uh, archaic and out of touch, and 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 you, they make you look um, the character the Christian characters are one dimensional and kind of dumb, and 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 mind numbed and. They've just been, you know, they, you can t clearly, the people who make those movies don't like that. Um, now, since I'm not a Catholic, I didn't come into it thinking, um, well, let's see how they treat Catholics because, you know, I, I, that's not me. I was going to ask you that. Mm -hmm. I want to hear from you what you thought about how, how you felt they treated it. But at the beginning, uh, when he first begins encountering the Catholics, he he's this impulsive guy and he's outspoken and his language is coarse and the answers he got from some of the people he talked to at first seemed in comparison to be sort of like they were reading them out of the book of Catholic answers to people who, you know, but, but I didn't disagree with them. You know what I mean? I thought, well, yeah, but, yeah, but I think they're right. And the movie, the movie didn't, the characters that said those things said them believably. I think if if, if we're if you're talking about the scene in particular that I think you're talking about, I think it's it's interesting because there's a scene where Stu Long is going through uh, what the Catholic Church calls RCIA, which is the right the right of Christian initiate Christian initiation for adults. It's basically new members class. For Catholic, yep. Catholics, is what you go through, and he's and they're going through the catechism. So they're sitting in literally in a little classroom, and they're going through basically walking through Catholic doctrine and the catechism. And there's like a you know back and forth questions and answers, and they're basically giving you the catechism answer. So it's interesting you say they're basically right. giving you the rehearsed answer. They were. They, they, yes. This is this is like the RCA teacher going. Well, the answer to that question from the catechism is X. And then, right. but then I know where you're going with this because we talked about it before we turned the microphones on and you were like, okay, well, that's a textbook answer. But literally it was, literally it is the textbook right. answer. Right. But then you see how Stu Long, the Mark Warburg character, how he takes that and how he applies that. That was right. Well, was he, interesting. You, know, you can see him going through it. At first he's going through the motions because he's, he wants to impress this girl, right? Then... You can see him as he does these, does the Catholic things. He's praying through the rosary. He's got the beads and the whole deal. You see him engaging with it. And it becomes, it starts to become real to him. And I think that's a sign that there's something big and serious that, that, the, that Catholicism is. These were, these may have come across sounding like textbook answers, but those things are important and and the more you think about them the more important they become and the more you let them in the more in your life the more important they become and that's what i saw happening to him was he was actually being changed so so exactly and he never contradicts those answers so the rest of the movie the textbook answers he gets from the catechism right. in the rcia class really the next the rest of the film unpacks those and shows them applied right. in reality and one of the things I just want to say about that is this film, I think, 
takes Catholicism seriously. It's, it was, I think, made by right. Catholics. Wahlberg and uh, Gibson are serious Catholics. And it takes Catholicism seriously. It's not a Hollywood version of Catholicism. It's very real. Right. And it's a true story, uh, by the way, right? It's a true right. story of Father Stu Long and his, his biography. So it takes Catholicism seriously. It doesn't contradict it. But what you see in the rest of the film is how the things that the RCA teacher is uh, explaining uh, from the catechism, how those play out in real life. Right. And there's one in particular, I don't know if this is the one you were thinking about, but in the RCIA class at one point, Stu Long, they're talking about confession. Yeah. And what is confession and what you're supposed to do in confession and how, or something and what its function and role is. And that plays a huge, huge role later in the film. Um, right. Because the, the, the teaching that they give, the catechetical teaching on, on, on the sacrament of confession and reconciliation is exactly what gets played out, especially in the third act of the film. Right. Specifically in the confessional for him and then when he becomes a confessor to others. Right. There, there's there's a, a, a tendency, it's a kind of a modern tendency, is to, is to make religion or an approach to God all emotional and 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 no and no uh not not any thinking right. involved right no intellectual stuff but that's that stuff is true okay and 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 I liked it that they 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 gave us they handed us some big concepts and some big things mm -hmm. and then you watched them play out and I thought that was way better than a sort of an emotional, you know, surfacey approach to it. I, I, I was, you know, I well, thought hard about some of this. You know, the 800-pound gorilla or elephant or whatever okay. it is, the, the big obvious thing in this movie that struck me about Catholicism and being distinct from, say, Protestant films, because there have been a lot of these made over the last number of years. And when I worked in... Christian publishing. I worked with a, a number of companies that made Christian movies. Mm -hmm. I won't name the names, but they're, you know, they were in the theaters and all this kind right. of stuff. And there's a sort of story arc for how those go. And they all sort of have to do with triumph. So it starts out right. and there's somebody who's bad. He's a drunk and he's cheating on his wife and he, you know, is overworked and whatever. Right. And then he encounters Jesus and it changes him, and then he becomes, uh, he stops drinking, and he becomes right. a good family man, and he reconciles with his children, and, right. you know, and then he goes off and does Habitat for Humanity projects or something, right. right? And I'm not mocking that, but that's sort of the predictable story arc, because Protestantism um, is about how Jesus and a relationship with Christ helps us to triumph and leave suffering behind. Mm -hmm. This film is, I think, profoundly Catholic yeah. because it's about embracing suffering. Mm -hmm. And it's about how suffering is the path towards genuine union with Christ. And you and I were talking about this offline. I think for someone like yourself who's considering Catholicism, 
Catholicism is full of all of these sort of intentional embracing suffering elements. I mean, whether it's as simple as saying during Lent, you give up something for Lent or, you know, you don't eat meat on Fridays and more complexly that you have um, priests or nuns or monks or whatever who embrace celibacy or, you know, mortification of the flesh in the Middle Ages or hair shirts or whatever. There is this sense of even kneeling on the bench at church uh, during the mass instead of sitting in a comfy movie theater seat. There is a sense in which Catholicism embraces suffering because suffering is the path towards union with Christ. And I'll tell you one place where this is super obvious in Catholicism is the difference that Catholics have a crucifix uh, and Protestants have an empty cross. Mm-hmm. And that was explained to me, or I used to explain it as a Protestant, is that we don't look at the suffering of Good Friday. We look at the triumph of the empty cross on Easter. Mm-hmm. And Catholics we used to bash or people who are stuck on the suffering of Jesus. It's why mentioning Mel Gibson earlier made the passion of the Christ. And I was a Protestant at the time that that came out. Uh, And I was working in Christian publishing. And so it was a big deal at the time. Everybody was promoting it. And I went to it with a bunch of Protestants and they thought it was going to be a movie in a sense about Jesus doing Jesus stuff, like healing people and turning water into wine and walking on the water. And it was going to be like the life of Jesus. And it ended up being just the last couple of hours of Jesus being, you know, beaten and abused. And they're like, this is like, what did they thought? I I walked out of the theater with them and they were like totally turned off. This is the most negative thing I've ever seen in my life. Jesus isn't about all this beating and suffering. But what Mel Gibson was doing in The Passion of the Christ is filming the Stations of the Cross. Hmm. And it, it was deliberately filmed to represent all the Stations of the Cross. And so the thing is, is that for Catholics, the crucifix is about us understanding that we become united with Christ in his suffering. And by becoming united with Christ in his suffering, we then become united with him in his res- resurrection. Mm-hmm. The path to resurrection and victory goes through uh, the passion yeah. of Christ. And so embracing that. Now, how does that play out in this film? Well, I don't want to give any spoilers here, but the whole arc of this movie goes in a direction that you don't think. Like if you see the marketing posters for this, you think, oh, he's going to become this like apologetics, evangelistic, battling priest. Uh, But let me just put it this way. The whole movie is about him learning to embrace Jesus and be united with Jesus in his suffering. Yeah. And so when we talk about the beginning of the movie, where he starts out of this fighter and you think he's going to be a fighter. Right. That's where the movie, I think, is is more deep and profound because it doesn't go where you think it's going. No, it doesn't. It goes into a place where this tough young fighter sinks into suffering for Christ. And I liked it that they didn't apply Catholicism like, like frosting over the top of the cake, but that it was right. baked right in. Yeah. So none of this would have happened had it not been for the Catholicism. And they and they didn't apologize for it. The film didn't apologize in a sense for its for its presenting you with these concepts. Um those the the change in 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 Stu's personality, his character, change in his life was intermixed with this. It was because mm-hmm. of it. It wasn't 
Um, it wasn't like he could have gotten to that place any other way. You right. could make a case, you know, in, in another movie, and I have no idea which ones you're talking about because I n never went and saw any of them. But, um, you know, a lot of people quit drinking without God. A lot of people quit. A lot of people fix up their marriages without God. But Stu could not have gotten to the place he got. This wasn't about, this was entirely a God thing to do. You know what I mean? And it was a Catholic thing that happened to him. And that's what the story seems to be sort of about then, is, is how his interaction with Catholicism and his interaction with God, that's, that's what happened. That's not, you know, it wouldn't, there wouldn't have been any movie if it wasn't for that. So I, I don't, I hope this isn't a spoiler. I don't think it is. And it, it, like the first scene of the movie, first or second scene of the movie, um, he's, Stu is, is drunk mm -hmm. and he's, it's night and he's stumbling around outside a Catholic church. Yeah. And he sees a statue of Jesus and he punches the statue yeah. of Jesus, yeah. you know, and resentment and, um, the wonder of the story arc is that the whole movie kind of goes from him punching the statue of Jesus to, in a sense, becoming united with Christ in suffering yeah. and embracing that and, um, and becoming Christ-like mm -hmm. in ways that he never would have ex expected or you would have seen coming. Right. And... You don't see it coming. And when you do in the third act see that and you look back on the film, now you see, I liked your point, that you don't get where he got except for Jesus, except right. for Christ. It is a message contrary to the message of the world. There is no secular right. um, filmmaker that's going to write this film. Right. I mean, it's a true story, but no secular filmmaker would write this film where the whole point is somebody descends into suffering like this. Right. That they would see that as pointless, but it is pointful. And right. here's the thing that's really cool is it becomes redemptive. Yes. It becomes redemptive for him because he grows close to Christ because by becoming like Christ in his suffering. Mm -hmm. And because he does that, he become uh, he becomes a redemptive figure in the lives of the people around him, right? And that's super powerful. So in a sense, the more he becomes like Christ, the more he becomes like Christ in having a Christ-like effect. The more selfless he becomes, the more he loses, in popular sense, the better he becomes. And that's and that's not he didn't win. Uh, with a capital W, you know what I mean? He right. didn't win in the ways that we're used to seeing people win in these kinds of movies. You have to, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a big thing to digest what he goes through and, and how he, how the movie presents that. And he presents it because it's a real story as, as him winning. That's just different. It reminds me of St. Paul's words uh, when he says, I have given up all things for Christ. I consider right. them to be, to be rubbish. Uh, that I have, you know, uh, become like him, united with him in his suffering, and so therefore I can be united with him uh, in his resurrection. I found that glory. really challenging. I, I had to go home yeah. and think about my life, you know. Yeah, and I, I think that's what makes this a genuinely 
profoundly Catholic film. Right. Not just that the subject matter is Catholicism, like it's about a priest or there's a bunch of churches in it. Right. It's profoundly Catholic in its message. Yes. It's profoundly Catholic in its storytelling and the story arc. Mm -hmm. A Protestant doesn't make this movie. Right. And I think in some sense, a Protestant doesn't get it, doesn't get this movie, maybe. Maybe you do. But you have to be... You have to be coming into this place where you understand that Catholic message. And I think about other great Catholic films or novels, what I consider to be the great Catholic films and novels, some of which maybe we'll review in the future, but they all follow this arc because it is the arc. It is the story, isn't it? Right. I mean, the story of our lives is to grow and become united, to become united by Jesus and grow in him. And we've talked about this in our previous uh, conversations uh, about what we're trying to do is perfect our faith. This is sanctification. That's what Stu Long goes through. He goes through sanctification. That, well, all, the way, all the way through, I kept thinking, as he, as he <clears throat> began engaging with Catholicism uh, in the second and third acts, there were, there were several points where I thought either... I didn't want him to make that decision. Like, well, what are you doing? That's not the way right. to win in life. You know, I, right. I don't, it's kind of a crude way to put it, but I thought, no, you should, you should really do this. You should really do that. You know, he's, he's got a girlfriend. He becomes a priest. And I'm thinking, I think I would have chosen the girl, you know? <laughs> and then, and then he, all this suffering happens to him. And I found myself thinking if that happened to me, I would, I think I'd just be bitter. Right. You know, and, and, and he wasn't. Right. Or at least, at least he he worked through it, and came out the other side a, a better person. And I thought uh, more Christ-like and and farther up and farther in, right toward yeah. God. And I thought I, I went away challenged and and was sort of compelled to think back over my life, right. and 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 ask myself, you know, were were these things that I thought were losses were they actually win? You know, I think in an earlier episode we talked about um, that quote. Um, that the only great tragedy in life, the yeah. only great regret would never to have become a saint. Right. And I'm not saying that Stu Long, Father Stu Long is a canonized saint, but in a sense, we all become saints and right. we're all on this path towards sainthood. And what you're really seeing is God working in somebody's life to bring him in right. and then show him the hard path of sainthood. It challenged my definition of succeeding in the Christian yeah. life. So uh, to all of you out there, we, at least I uh, highly recommend you see this film as a film worth your $10 and your two hours. And I even more strongly recommend that you see it as a Catholic film that can teach you a lot and uh, inspire you as a Catholic. Ed, your final judgment? Uh, I, I recommend it. Go see it. Don't, don't, uh, don't spend your money always just being entertained. Don't think of this as just popcorn, you know, go, go be challenged. It's a, it's, it's a good thing. Great. All right. Thanks. One of the best ways to learn more about Catholicism, its beliefs and practices, saints and stories, heritage and culture, is to visit the places where the Catholic story actually unfolded 
with someone who can explain it, answer your questions, and help you apply it to your life, especially as a part of a group of pilgrims that are sharing and supporting and praying for each other as they discover together. That's why the ministry that produces this podcast, One Whirling Adventure, offers pilgrimage trips. I'll be your guide and teacher, unpacking Catholic faith, life, and heritage for you in some of Catholicism's most significant sites. If you'd like to join me for a pilgrimage to places like Italy, Ireland, Israel, or France, visit the website oneworlingadventure.org to see the dates and details of upcoming trips. That's oneworlingadventure.org and click on the travel tab at the top. Let's discover our Catholic faith and heritage together. Thank you for listening. Considering Catholicism is produced by One Whirling Adventure, a 501c3 nonprofit organization with a simple mission to excite and educate people about historic Catholic Christianity and to equip them to live, share, and defend it in the 21st century. We depend completely on your generous donations. Learn more and consider supporting our ministry by visiting oneworlingadventure.org.